On today's show, we are joined by our friend Emily Paul, all the way from Washington, D.C. And some things we talk about will be non-monogamy and common misconceptions, how to verbalize the small things so that the big ones don't feel so daunting, and navigating jealousy in relationships. Well, Emily, you were in a committed relationship for 10 years. And we're curious to know what's the most important thing you learned from that relationship. And obviously share to your comfort level. Don't have to name any names. Um, and we can delete anything. Yeah. In post. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking in general, I will try not to name names. But then I, it's like, I might, I might slip up. Um, yeah, we'll work it out. edit that easily. Yeah. You meaning Dan? I'll just, it'll just be my voice superimposed <laughs> being like, John. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what's coming to mind that it's like always still a work in progress is just communicating things more like proactively and, and often. I guess this is a thing that I have tried to adopt more and more in like all my relationships of, I don't know, you know, the idea of like paper cuts kind of like there might be little things that, that are that hurt, hurt in some small ways or, or bother me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm getting better at noticing when I'm, when there's something that's causing me to pull away even a little bit from someone. And if it's someone that I, don't want to pull away from like to address it even if it's a small thing like even if it's the kind of thing where I could just let this slide that this isn't a huge conflict or like awful thing um Mm. but and I think I used to more let it slide all the time and now I much more value Mm. just bringing it up I mean I do think like with non-monogamy, it's, I think in, in the, the like 10 year relationship, I think maybe that was actually an easier place kind of to practice some of it because I think we were very intentional about non-monogamy and how we communicated about it. And also about not having like a punitive mindset about it, um, where, because I think sometimes not bringing stuff up comes from like a mentality as if the only way to bring things up is to tell the other person they're wrong or they did something bad. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's like just saying, Hey, I'm noticing that, I, that this hit me yeah. this way or that I'm feeling closed off or I'm feeling, you know, some type of way. And it's not to say that the other person did something wrong. Um, and so I, I think like something that I, love about non-monogamy not that it automatically leads to this but I the mindset is like not making assumptions or taking things for granted so it's like a more curious thing like oh I noticed that I feel bad when I don't know 
I didn't know you were going on a date this night and I found out last minute. It's not to say mm-hmm. it's bad to go on a date last minute. It's to right. say like, oh, for me, this doesn't feel good. Can we like figure something out? Um, yeah. And you, th- you, you consider that as like being particularly a tenant of non-monogamy? Well, I think ideally, I mean, not, not, I think that any, anything, any of these things with non-monogamy, like you can practice in monogamy. I right. think that like ethical non-monogamy, there, there is very much, I don't know, even just reading some things like reading ethical slut, you know, like reading some mm-hmm. of the sort of core, core texts of, of yeah. non-monogamy, the canon. like that is, uh, Um, a major point because, and this is actually something that I've been reflecting on a lot in general is we're very conditioned to like, look for these kind of external objective measures of like right and wrong. Um, And I think we do that in relationship where we want there to be like, Oh, this person just did something bad or wrong according to some like universal, like this is how you're supposed to act Mm -hmm. in a partnership or in a Mm -hmm. relationship. And then point to that instead of like owning our actual just feelings and hurt and whatever of our own stuff is coming yeah. up with it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this really, uh, I relate to, especially, I mean, when you said, uh, that thing about, Oh, if I can just point to an ideology or like a, um, uh, you know, a universal, uh, way of acting that's like clearly right or wrong, then I can say like, well, I'm right. Or like, you wronged me because of this versus like, actually like I feel hurt, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think for me, like that's a way that I like to avoid, you know, saying that my feelings were hurt and like, it's just like a way to avoid vulnerability for Uh me. Uh I'm like, I want to say that I'm hurting. Well, yeah. And that also is so like hand in hand with that idea of, of having a punitive sort of approach to conflict. Uh-huh. or punitive element and that's like i think a lot of us grew up in families where it was like no like let's all agree this person was doing the wrong thing uh-huh. and it's like you know it doesn't work yes. that way baby <laughs> like, yes no i mean my family i feel like conflict is like it's so about um it's like litigious or you know it's like a court like it's like okay there's the evidence on this side and on this side right i mean also both my parents are lawyers but i think Yeah. I mean, I think that it's also interconnected with just, um, it's our families, but it's also like the bigger systems that we live in. Cause that's, that's like the foundation of our entire society's view of like punishment and trying to like say that some people are bad and deserve to be like locked up or deserve, don't deserve like basic needs to be met because they are in this category because Mm -hmm. they violated some kind of like universal code it is work, I think, to um, cultivate, like figuring out, okay, I, I feel kind of off, like what's going on? What is this about? What parts of this is something that I need to ask this other person about? What parts of this is just like something I need to process? Like it is, it is more work in a way than just relying on some kind of like um, preconceived idea of, um, yeah, like what's okay. I mean, I can give right. a more like specific example because this happened recently. And I think, a, oh, yeah. yeah, let's get into um, it. Well, because I think another thing, yeah, and I guess again, not that this is only non-monogamy, but just uh, 
navigating all these different boundaries and like figuring out what actually is like important to different people in relationship, either like things that you do or don't want to be part of the relationship, you know, or, um, and like with someone that I started dating recently, we, I, I asked them like pretty casually about just like staying over sometime. And, um, and I, I wasn't like, I, it, it felt, I wasn't really thinking about it as a potential, um, like boundary. I don't know. I just, I just like said it in a casual way. Mm-hmm. And then they, um, they shared that like with their primary partner, that's kind of something that they're like not totally clear on or, or like they need to talk about more. And it wasn't like, this is a hard rule that we have, but it was like, this is not really something that we're doing or doing very regularly right now. And mm-hmm. In the moment, I was kind of like surprised, but I was like, okay. And and then we continued to hang out and like, it was fine. Um, but after they left and then especially the next morning, I noticed that I was like putting up a wall. Like they sent me like a sweet text. And I just, instead of like being all excited, like I was the other days, I was like, just kind of like closed off. Mm-hmm. Um and it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I could just let this lie. And like, it's not an urgent, it's not like I need you to stay over tomorrow night. It was just like an idea. Um, but then I'm like, this doesn't feel good. I've been feeling so open-hearted and like flowing in this connection with them. And now I'm not feeling that. And so I decided to just like let them know. And it wasn't in a way of, I mean, I explicitly said like, I don't need a resolution of this right now. Um, but I just wanted to share that I'm noticing that like I'm feeling a little closed off or like self-protective. Mm-hmm. Um, and even honestly, as soon as I realized, oh, I'm feeling some way. And then I was like, okay, I am actually feeling some way about, cause at first I'm like, is it this? And then I was like, no, it's this. And then mm-hmm. even just sending the text, I actually didn't feel caught up in like when they were going to respond or what they were going to say. It was just like, I mean, it sounds a little corny, but I feel like that was like self-care, like loving myself of being like, okay, I'm feeling this kind of bad feeling. What am I needing? And then Mm. just doing that, I felt so much better, even without like a resolution or even before they wrote back. And I mean, it is kind of vulnerable to want something from someone that, that I might not be able to get from them. Yeah. yeah. So just to be clear, this person is in, has a primary partner. mm Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you are seeing this person too. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what the, yeah. the Yeah. So that relationship, like they're in their non-monogamy, like they are primary partners. So that there are like some boundaries set from that relationship that right. kind of, uh, I mean, and that are open to negotiation, but that, yeah, like kind of take yeah. precedence or. Yeah, I mean, what I like about that, and one thing that sticks out for me having known you through your 10-year relationship is I remember you learning in that relationship when you were upset about something maybe to do with the op- it being an open relationship. Mm-hmm. You, were, you were learning to get really clear about what you actually needed, which I mm-hmm. think is so useful for everybody. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like, take you know, it takes working on that. Yeah. 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 There was a very like intense period. I don't know if that's what you're talking about specifically, but like where my partner started 
yeah, like dating someone and it was very, um, like I was kind of caught off guard by how intimate it was between them. And it really, I mean, I got like very triggered, I guess. I really kind of like lost my shit for like a couple weeks. Um, mm. But I think I was able to sit with it a little bit more because it was this thing of, um, okay, he's not doing something wrong. Like there might be something that needs to change about our agreements or there might be something that needs to like change between us, but I need to like get a better sense of what that is rather than, yeah, the kind of knee jerk, like you're wronging me. I feel bad. And you need to make this up to me, Uh you know, because now you're in the wrong or something, Uh which I feel like is like the old model. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I ask, um, and I, you're, I mean, obviously, you know, there's like many great books about, um, open relationships, polyamory, non-monogamy, but, um, what would you say, like having, having been in monogamous relationships and then starting to be in non-monogamous relationships, mm-hmm. what are the big things you think that people, biggest misconceptions people have about polyamory and non-monogamy? Mm. I think the biggest one I hear is people saying like, oh, I'm too jealous. I couldn't be non-monogamous. Like mm-hmm. people thinking that everyone who's non-monogamous doesn't feel jealous. Mm. Oh yeah. Let's talk more about that if you would. Yeah. And ethical slut has really good. I feel like they have a chapter like about jealousy. It's like, you're going to, I mean, obviously people feel jealous in different ways or to different degrees. So that's real. And like, maybe if, maybe there's some people where like non-monogamy would be too triggering for them of that to be able to do it. So that might maybe like could be the situation, but in terms of generally, yeah, the idea, like probably you're going to feel jealous sometimes. Like that's not, um, the goal isn't to avoid that or to like somehow eradicate jealousy or, or be this like magical person that never feels jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's not like I, monogamy is somehow a fix for jealousy. Right, right. Like there's no, the threats have been neutralized. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think it feels related to what we were just talking about in terms, I remember in Ethical Slut, you know, they're talking about a situation. I think that one of the authors is talking about something where their partner was about to go out on a date and they were just feeling kind of down and insecure and like jealous. And, um, but rather than sort of being like, I can't believe you're going on this date or like, you know, being passive aggressive or whatever kind of lashing out. They were just like, Hey, before you leave, can you like come sit with me for a minute and give me a hug and like, tell me you love me. Um, And actually I had a very, I remember one of the very like um, meaningful moments for me with what I was just mentioning when my partner like started dating this person Um, And, and I remember there was this one weekend where they were together and I was with friends and I, it like caught me very off guard, the intimacy of their time together. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember the triggering thing was like him saying, oh, we're, we're going to a party later and we're just like hanging out reading right now. And I was Mm. like, whoa, they're just hanging out, like reading together. That's so (laughs) intimate. Oh my God. Like, yeah. And it's like, you think about like, (laughs) like if they're like having sex, you know, you're like, you'd think that would be the thing where you're like, oh my God. But no, it's like those, these moments that are, that's Mm -hmm. like, that speaks to, ooh, like 
maybe this is like deeper than mm-hmm. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. these very daily moments. Um, yeah. So that, but I remember it was like one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm have this urge to act a certain pattern out. And then I didn't. And like the pattern was that I felt insecure and like threatened and freaked out by this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted my immediate instinct, which is like, was I, again, I feel like a pattern for me was, okay, I need to like gather all the intel I can in this covert way so that I can like read between the lines and figure out what's going on. So my instinct was to be like, oh, are you having fun? Or like, oh, how's it going? I work for the CIA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like some kind of like question. And then I was like, okay, he could be having an amazing time. That doesn't actually mean anything about how he feels. That's a very scarcity mindset that if he's having Mm. a good time, oh, then he doesn't love me as much or care about me. And if he's having a bad time, that's like good news for me. Mm-hmm. Versus I feel like the idea of like compersion in polyamory where it's like, oh, if my partner is like falling in love or having a really good time or having these fulfilling experiences, like I'm happy for them. And that like enhances my experience and enhances our connection. Um, What's that word? I, compersion? Compersion is like the being happy for like another person's like mm. their like happiness Love or that. like their yeah. um like vicarious I, joy. Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, just this was I, like it's cool having this conversation because I haven't thought about this stuff in a little bit, but this was like a very significant for me moment because okay, so they were reading. I I got freaked out. I wanted <laughs> to just be like, "How's it going?" Um, and instead, so innocent. I was like. Um, when you have, like, when you have a few minutes, can you just call me? Like, I just need a little reassurance. And then like, he called me and then it didn't like magically fix everything, but it was like, oh, that met my needs so much more than asking these like roundabout questions and then trying to piece together in my mind, whether I thought that this situation was like a threat to our connection. Totally. Oh, I love this example. Yeah. It's a great example. I I really to this a lot I definitely yeah I feel like this thing I mean I'm a, I'm a big um thinker analyzer like I and I feel like I that's always been my coping for like feeling big feelings so I think with that there, that kind of desire to like have this like data to analyze you know like to be like mm-hmm. okay I'm gathering all this like information mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna like figure out what's going on um I feel like that was kind of uh, like, so maybe it's the combination of those things, like both not wanting to yeah, be like needy or be too like emotional or too dramatic or whatever it is. And then also this idea that I can kind of like figure things out in my brain. You know, I can, I can like mm-hmm. analyze and get to some sort of truth or like uh, that, that, that analysis is what's going to like lead to some kind of, um, I don't know, catharsis or like resolution yeah. or whatever. Do you have anything, any other things come to mind in terms of misconceptions about non-monogamy? Oh yeah, that's where we started. Oh <laughs> shit, yeah, I love that question um, too. Well, I think there's like the idea that, um, you know, it's a way to break up or it means that there's something wrong in the relationship or... Hail Mary. It's going to lead to like breaking up. And I mean, honestly, when my partner and I were like, when I was trying to figure out about and like leaving that partnership, I feel like there was a period where I was like, I can't like, 
I can't fulfill this trope that like, oh, you open your relationship and then you fall in love with someone else and then you like break up. Um, I I can't fulfill this trope or else it means I'm... It just means it's like I'm I'm like a cliche service to the polyamory like (laughs) name. I'm giving the polyamorous a bad name. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, that was probably just one of the many like things that was not yeah. was a proxy for other things but yeah when, when in truth a lot of like a lot of closeness came after you guys became non-monogamous mm-hmm. yeah for a long um, for a long time yeah yeah so yeah and i think um also it feels kind of tied to like the ideas that you know relationships are failures if they don't last forever and mm-hmm. um when i feel like relationships are like successful relationships are where you're like continually probing and, and, and seeing what both people need and want and like whether the relationship can stretch and like accommodate all those things, you know? And, and if you learn that it can't, or if you grow in ways that it can't, that's not like a failing. Yeah. Um, I agree. And also that the end of a romantic partnership doesn't mean the end of a, have to mean the end of like a connection or a relationship. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I do think, yeah, I, I hear that for sure from people being like, of the of the of the couples I know, all the ones that have opened their relationships, it's ended or something. When in when in truth, probably it's like two couples often. Mm-hmm. And also, not, like you probably know a lot of monogamous couples that have broken up too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, totally. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other. Well, I mean, I guess there's like the sort of like like ethical slut title nodding to that, like, oh, people are just like want to have sex with everyone. Mm. Um, and I mean, I feel like I like joke with some friends who I think being like bi or pan or whatever and being polyamorous, it's like two identities that are very like kind of slut shamed or like assumed to be mm-hmm. like, oh, you just literally want to have sex with everyone. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, which isn't true. I mean, and like, that's fine. You know, also like, cool. If people, if people really want to have sex with like lots of people and different people and new people all the time, like, cool, that's good. Like, that's great. But I feel like polyamory can be for many, many different kinds of connections where like sex can be a bigger or smaller part, you know, like that's, it's not mm-hmm. that it's only. Yeah. It's not a direct that. correlation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to ask you about, um, parenthood, mm-hmm. um, and how that relates to you wanting to construct your life around relationships that aren't necessarily romantic. You're also thinking about having a kid on your own, meaning just unpartnered, not that you would be alone in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, yeah, it's, I know it's a big a recent- one exploration I mean I think for the last at least like 10 years I've been thinking about if I want to have a kid will I have a kid what would that look like etc um and interestingly I guess this is the first time I was reflecting on this recently this past year or so is the first time that I have been like navigating that question without being partnered with someone who has a really strong view on it so like Mm -hmm. for my like 10 year partnership. Um, my partner was very clear that he did not want to have kids. 
Um, for my more recent partner, she was very clear that she did and soon. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like actually a more recent thing to just be like exploring that without there being this kind of immediate, um, implication for like a very central relationship to my life, like where I land on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. So, yeah, well you also, it was sort of like so clear for the other person already. So you in some ways didn't have space, right. To like really get clear with yourself. Right. Or it's, I think it's hard, it's hard to be the person who's clear with someone who's unclear on something, but it's also mm-hmm. hard to, um, feel that like, by arriving at some clarity, I'm sort of the one that would be like potentially ending things or potentially kind of causing the problem or something. I don't know, not causing the problem, but like uh, that I guess that my lack of clarity in some ways like enables the connection to continue in a kind mm. of fu- maybe fucked up way. That's really interesting. Ooh. Um, Ooh, but yeah. So yeah, so I think this past year I've been reflecting on it a lot um, and not not as part of like a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because honestly, up until not that long ago, I was my sort of little um, statement in my head about it was like, oh, I think it's very contextual for me if I want to have a kid or not in terms of like partner and... I I don't want a kid badly enough that I would like do it without a partner. Like that was sort of like my take, like honestly, maybe a year ago or even less. And then I don't know, things have really shifted. I think um, a lot of it is having a very um, tangible sense of like community and um, care around me, like in my immediate surroundings where I live, Um, having different relationships that are like close close emotional relationships, but also that involve a lot of like material support and like caregiving. And so I think that that has opened up for me, like a, a vision of what it could look like to have a kid without a partner and still, um, have different forms of support and like not be isolated. I think a lot of like what, when I, how I've oriented towards different relationships, a lot of the fears for me are about insularity and like losing autonomy. Um, and I have that with like having a kid too, like fearing that it it make would make my life smaller mm-hmm. um, in certain ways. And I think I, I still feel very like, I still don't feel clear of how I want to move forward totally, but um, I think a lot of what my life looks like now, I can picture it not, like I can picture it being something that feels expansive and that feels like um, building of relationships rather than like risking losing relationships or connections. Yeah, I love that. I mean, especially because I do feel like, you know, it's, it's common. There's definitely like women, friends of mine, where I feel like, you know, their, their compulsion to make sure that they have a partner to have a kid with is so strong. You know, like they're going to to pretty great lengths to avoid the possibility of having a kid by themselves. So, like, I really like hearing that. Um, yeah, that, and it makes sense to me. I you kind of seem excited by the idea of having mm-hmm. a kid without necessarily having a partner, and that yeah feels 
kind of special. I mean, I know we're in a bubble, but it feels unique to me to hear that with what Dan and I have observed and some of our friend group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does make a difference to like have some people doing that. Like actually my ex is doing that. And I, that's like cool to me. Um, Doing it by herself like having yeah having a kid without a partner yeah i need to stop Um, saying doing it by herself because it's not i know no i had the same i used to say like on their own and then i was like okay no it's really without a partner and it could i mean it's really without a romantic partner i guess because um you could be co-parents right i mean I, i think the thing i've been sitting with is um so i kind of went through a like oh I would be interested in some kind of like two household platonic co-parenting thing, but like, that's a pretty unique relationship or like, there's not many people that I would, Mm -hmm. it's not just like any person that I would do that with, you know, Um, or, or more than like, it's hard to, it's that's, that's not a, um, and there's one person that, that lives here that I actually asked about it in a kind of like exploratory way. Um, but he, and like for a while I was kind of like, that was the vision I was really attached to mm. of like, okay, this is how it, I can do it. And it won't like, it's a weird thing. Like it won't ruin my life. It won't like, mm. it won't take away all my autonomy and all my kind of, um, yeah, it's like wanting it to feel like it will be an expansive and like liberating experience overall. Like I understand that there's going to be times that it's not going to be like, Lottie doll all the time but that overall it will feel expansive um but anyway where was I going with this oh I think the thing that I am still feeling unsure about is I feel trust that I would have a lot of like community support and that I could build more because if I actually did have the kid or if I was moving towards that I I would be investing also more in building that like infrastructure in my life um but it's like, I would still be bottom lining the kid by myself. Like I would be ultimately the parent, like decision maker responsible. And, and I would be asking other people to like play different roles, um, which is different than like, oh, there's two people uh, like bottom lining this, yeah. this person's um, care. And like, and I mean, I'm also really dreaming of, of living like in a housing cooperative. And I think like that's something that I'm dreaming of either way, but it definitely feels like, okay, with a kid that like living collectively, I mean, my, I guess ideal vision right now is like living collectively in like an apartment building that's tenant owned that like we organize and and, like share things together, including that like childcare is part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that feels really exciting to me. Um, and at first I was really like, okay, well, I I'll only have a kid if I live, if I already live in a housing, you know, I have like a couple of years to move into a housing cooperative and like have everything in place. And then the kid can arrive on the scene. And then I was talking to someone about it. This was several months back, but they kind of pointed out, like, you don't have to have everything like lined up, you know, like, it's not like, I think there's a weird thing with both I don't know if you all feel this, but with both um, in the kind of monogamous, like life partner relationship escalator mm-hmm. thing, like picking a partner and trying choosing to have a kid, it's like 
there's going to be this moment in time, this fork in the road, and then you go there and then everything else just happens. Like you don't have autonomy after that. Or like, you're just suddenly just like in this life. It's like, Oh, I'm not going to have a kid. And then like having a kid would actually cause me to build many more relationships with people who wanted to like share childcare than I, than I, than I can, or than I feel energized to build right now. as like an abstract idea. So yeah, that was also helpful to be like, everything doesn't need to be perfectly like set up. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. We self-produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps. <laughs>